0: Welcome to The Mental Mile. I'm Cheristy. I'm Christy. And we are moms, friends, and therapists.
1: So we are so excited to have Rachel on today. And I found Rachel on Instagram. Um, And I think as a therapist, what I really um, use a lot in my work are card decks, because I find that to be so useful with um, groups of either teens or adults or individual clients. Um, And she has the self-care card deck that I stumbled upon on Instagram. And I said, you know, I need to own this because it's sort of what I've been looking for. And you you would think it already existed, but it hadn't. And so um, I got that card deck and I started following Rachel and learning a little bit more about her self-care coaching and her business. And we're really excited to have her on today to talk about um, motherhood and your career and wellness and taking care of yourself during this wacky, wacky time. (laughs)
2: well thank you so much for having me it's really exciting to be here
0: thank you so much Rachel for being here Christy bought your cards for me and so I've had them for the last few weeks and I've been using them and um, they're a really um, fun concept and like a unique way to um, grasp you know like what are strategies for self-care I really like that you break the self-care strategies down into three categories the emotional, physical, and mental, but you also call it soul, body, and mind, or mind, body, and soul, I forget how you list it. And um, I was wondering um, how you, like how you decided to break it down into those three categories, and um, how that is helpful to people.
2: Mm, Well, I think I just had so many tips that I was like, where do we start? Let's, you know, try and make this as simple as possible, because I'm all about making self care just really easy to implement and bring into your day to day life. And so I was really mindful of not having, you know, loads of things that were to do with, say, physical self care, because not everyone wants to go for a run. Not everyone wants to, you know, do a spin class or whatever, or as a yogi, I wanted to try and make sure that I was balanced as much as possible and that there was an opportunity to kind of meet all of our needs. So it's not always just a a clear physical act of self-care. There's that time to be mindful, the time to just focus on the mind. And then there's almost that extra element of the soul, which is very much about nourishing you from the center, like what's really, um, what are you really passionate about and what's really important to you. So that's where the soul element comes in.
0: Yeah. Do you find both personally, but also with the clients that you work with that people tend to be heavy in one category versus another? Um, or is it pretty diverse, um, with what people come to you?
2: I think a lot of people tend to just see self-care to start off with as the physical part. Mm -hmm. And so what I do with my clients in my self-care coaching hour is I try and open up some different avenues and say, well, what the one thing I really like doing is saying to people, you know, what did you really enjoy doing as a child? Because usually that's where our passions really like stem from. And there's, I've had a lot of discussions recently about people's creativity and wanting to do journaling in a more kind of maybe um, creative arty way than just writing just lots of different options. So I'm all about just trying to get people to think outside the box a little bit when it comes to self-care and it not having to be the true kind of like Yes, it's very important to eat well and drink water and do the physical side, but quite often we forget about our emotional well-being and the elements behind that. And so it's just trying to open up different ideas and and get people thinking about things in a slightly different way.
1: That's so neat. And so... um you know, the cool thing about Instagram is that we connected it's four o'clock where you are and where are you in? Are you in London? I'm in the
2: South of England. So about um, an hour and a half South of London near the coast.
1: Okay. And we're, you know, we're in Silicon Valley in California. Um, But I would say for myself, part of what was my mission in starting parent self-care was to expand the American idea of self-care, which is very much bubble baths and beauty. So it's (laughs) interesting to hear right where you are, it leans more heavily on exercise and sleep and eating well. And Charity and I talk about that in America, we don't talk about that stuff enough actually, right? Mm -hmm. And Charity is really specialized in mindful running. So it's just sort of interesting to hear culturally how you're trying to expand people's minds and how we are, but they tend to focus on different things.
2: It's a really interesting perspective, actually, because a lot of my clients are on an international level. But um, I think, yeah, there's maybe a, a heavy cultural sway as to how we are encouraged to embrace self-care. But it's definitely a lot of people tend to think, well, I need to, you know, have a running routine and I and I need to have a spa day every month and, and this Best. and that. And actually it doesn't need to be hugely luxurious. It doesn't need mm-hmm. to be really, really expensive. What I try and bring in with my tips is easy to implement, doesn't have to necessarily cost any money and doesn't have to take, you know, an hour of meditation. It can be five minutes of this. And I call them your non-negotiables. So the things that are really important to you in life that you just need in order to be able to feel the best version of yourself. And that's different for everybody.
0: Right. When when I was looking through the card deck and reading over your website, uh, it actually reminded me a lot of BJ Fogg's work, which I know Christy is fond of referencing. And he talks a lot about you know breaking um, habits down into very small chunks and making them um, meaningful and attached to actual routines so that you can continue with them. And it's not just a one time thing, which also touches on that American idea that Christy was mentioning with, you know, self-care isn't just a bubble bath. Um, it's, something, <laughs> it's something that you have to practice, that you have to make a routine.
2: Mm, for sure. I've actually just finished reading that book. So I know exactly really? what now really really interesting yeah one of my um clients sent it to me actually she said you've got to read this book so I really get that and I think that's the way to make it more realistic to achieve things because quite often what happens is we and I kind of talk about this in in terms of a car so you you know you go and fill up your car with gas you get the you know engine checked in a service and you fill it up with water and you know you do all these things and you make sure that that's fine, but you don't really think about what do you need, like topping up your own levels, your okay. own energy levels. And you know, we, we service an MOT a car, but we don't do that for ourselves. And so we quite often forget some of the basic things. And so by bringing them into our everyday routine and just making it more normal for us, it seems less kind of extravagant maybe to, to have time doing it. And also it helps us uh, set boundaries with other people because this has becomes your kind of norm. So it's, it's all about working out what you want to, to put into your routine to be able to make it sustainable. And you've got to enjoy doing it. Like there's no point forcing yourself to do 40 minutes of meditation or a hip workout or whatever. If actually, that's just not your bag. Like if you're not interested in it, you're not going to sustain it and keep doing it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, when you start to become more well-versed in it, I've noticed, you know, I've, as a therapist, we've always talked about self-care. That's so important for us professionally, but I'm talking about a lot, a lot more with just parents who may be friends or with my husband um, and they start to pick up on it too. And so that's great because then it all supports everybody. Like I feel like um, my husband or my friends are like, well, this is self-care, right, Christy? <laughs> You're like, sure. I mean, <laughs> if it means something to you, um, but I think once you start to create those boundaries and it becomes more integrated for you, it's cool to see other people think about nourishing themselves as well. Cause it's so important
2: mm, for sure. And I just um, finished a workshop. I think it was last weekend and it was really interesting. Some of the feedback I got one lady was like, do you know what? I went and spoke to my husband about this and we've decided that we need to set some boundaries. We need to have our own self care separately and our self care together and actually." We can't sustain the lifestyle we've got, particularly right now with both yes. of them being at home, the kids at home, they're all gonna just go a bit crazy at each other. And so they're like, right, you have your time out and do your thing here. I'm gonna do this. We've set up, um, you know, like a kind of star up for all of us to tick off. Are we drinking enough water? Like some really basic things that they were like, our nutrition is not great. We're not getting enough sleep. Like the real core mm-hmm. things that we need and as a family they've discussed that and I think that's just really clever in a way because rather than getting to a point where you're all kind of reaching burnout in different levels and even you know kids can have their own version of that Mm -hmm. that, let's have a sensible conversation but it's quite hard to open that up sometimes and start that that ball rolling and have that conversation that's so great
0: And that, you know, you're talking about, you know, how a family is really doing that at home. But I think you actually specialize in work people in the workplace. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So I do corporate coaching um, on a positive mindset space but everything that I do I tend to bring in self-care strategies right. so within my coaching and it's kind of it's positive mindset it's team building it's how to communicate within the team but what I also talk about is making sure that you're the best version of yourself mm-hmm. so having again your non-negotiables in the workplace and making sure that you're you're sort of you're making sure that life works for you and so people have a checklist of what's important to them because if your work if you're sort of satisfied and happy and you know you're nourished in your body mind and soul you can bring that into the workplace and be a stronger employee as well so quite often I actually start with that because that's like the basics for people and then we come into right how do you communicate in, within a team mm-hmm. and then I always bring self-care strategies into it um it's just kind of my kind of normal action. Um, I do a lot of breathing techniques, which really help my corporate clients to just be more present in the space and to help stress levels. And I think that particularly at the moment with people being a bit more detached and not actually working together in an office that people need that kind of nourishment and time out because so many people are not having the boundaries of of an office, you know, um, Mm -hmm. office timetable. They're just working all the time at home, which is awful. So it's bringing in some self-care strategies into that corporate sphere to help people, you know, be the best at home and at work.
0: Right. So it's really not disparate. It's, you know, what you're doing at home is going to be impacting what you do at work and vice versa. And that really the strategy should include both so mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it fits with your life.
2: Yeah. sure because they're not two separate things and everything that we do like even you know our our food and drink routine and um, our exercise routine that's going to impact how we feel energetically mentally and physically to be able to do our job and to be able to commute or, or do things like that so everything is attached to each other and when we boost um you know how we're feeling in one area usually that lifts us up in other areas as well right
0: right so um I wanted to ask i noticed that you do vision board work with a lot of clients and so i wanted to bring this into the conversation partly selfishly because i do vision boards with my clients pretty frequently
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: i've discovered that it's it can be useful for like setting goals and kind of finding inspiration for the like work on the goals um but my hunch is that most people take it home and never look at it again and i was (laughs) just wondering kind of like what like What do you recommend um, if you want to use a vision board um, to not have it just be a craft project?
2: Yeah, I am very much about, I kind of have five stages to building a vision board and that final stage is taking action. And first of all, I try and make sure that people put their vision board up in a really prominent place. So whether it's, you know, where they get ready in the morning, whether it's in their office, whether it's in their kitchen. And I'm like, you've got to look at this every single day and you've got to really focus on the energy that you get from from the vision board so i'm very much about target energy and people really feeling like i talk about what does 10 out of 10 look like so what's the ultimate position of your your perfect day your perfect life and i really try and get people to tell me how does it feel to achieve that because then every single time they look at that vision board they can bring back that feeling it's a bit like you know when you listen to a song that you really love or you taste something that reminds you of your childhood i want that kind of energy to come back so that they feel really really attached to it because quite often you know you're going to have a bad day stuff happens and you want to still feel like you can get back onto that that feeling of i want to reach that goal and so by coming back to you know how do you want to feel what does that future look like and feel like by having that vision brought up it's almost like every single day you can just catch yourself looking at it and t- it's tapping into that energy so I spent quite a lot of time in my sessions, really getting people to tell me all about what they are feeling when they achieve their goal, because then they can tap back into it and they've got an emotional attachment. And the second part of that is really about taking inspired action. So you've got your vision board and yes, it looks all pretty and lovely. But actually, what are the three things that you're going to do immediately after finishing the board? to start working on those goals. And then like, what's the action plan to get there? So I always just take it a step further to, to really try and get the results going.
0: Right, right. It makes a lot of sense. Um, tapping into the feeling. Um, I think that's maybe the key, that, you know, that I needed mm-hmm. to tap into the feeling so that when you look at it, it inspires you. Like you said, like, the song, like your favorite song inspires you so that you can refine motivation because uh, a lot of times I, I would imagine people probably um, show up to a session really motivated, but that mm-hmm. motivation fades over time. So that's that's the key. We got to retie ourselves back to the motivation and we do mm-hmm. that through emotion. That's really great.
1: I love that. I was wondering, Rachel, if you could share a little bit too about just sort of your career path and how you built your business and decided to focus on this area. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so my career path is slightly, slightly an odd one. It's not something I thought I'd um, end up doing after university. But basically, I used to travel around the world, uh, visiting fruit farms, and basically choosing to work with different growers of berries um, to supply UK supermarkets and um, European customers. So I basically went around and built up um, an imports business for the company I worked for. And I also moved through to do like operational roles. I ran a strawberry farm for two years. Um, and then my passion kind of alongside doing this, and this is where the whole self-care journey comes in for me. Um, so I was working 80 hour weeks. I was doing a lot of traveling. My self-care at the time was what I thought was the right thing to do was, um, having a good night out at the end of the week because, you know, I earned it. That was my Kind of right, probably having a huge hangover. I, you know, I was drinking wine, drinking coffee, and I thought I was doing the, the best thing possible because I would go to the gym and I'd do a spin class and I'd go running. But actually, what's happening there is you're just keeping your adrenaline levels really high. And actually, I wasn't doing anything relaxing. I found it for a good few years very hard to do anything at a slow pace Mm -hmm. because life for me was just so busy but actually that was the one thing I really really needed was to have that kind of slow pace and calm down and um, whilst also working these 18-hour weeks I ran an online fashion and lifestyle magazine um, for wow. seven years okay um, quite crazy but it was also during that time that I realized something had to give because I used to attend London Fashion Week so that was in February and in September and that coincided actually with the end of two import seasons and I realized for the last two sessions that I went to London Fashion Week is that the last two times I went I couldn't speak because I had sort of really really burnt out that I literally had like a throat infection and I just wasn't well and I was like you know what this I'm spending my holiday going to London Fashion Week because that's something I really really love but actually I feel absolutely exhausted and rubbish and I can't communicate with people and I just realized you know this is not a sustainable lifestyle (laughs) whatsoever um so I've always run a business alongside my day job it's just sort of how I've been and over time that's kind of evolved but what I really really enjoyed doing when I had a kind of slightly crazy time working for a network marketing company and I was really rubbish at selling product I love the product but I was rubbish at selling it but the thing I loved was personal development and that's how I actually got into coaching because I really enjoyed personal development I loved training people and coaching them But I was like the lowest of the, you know, the ranking in this network marketing, but I would do the coaching and the training. And I was like, this is what I really love. So um, I'd already gone part time in my job at the time of, of sort of doing that. But I realized what I really wanted to do was train to be a coach. And so I evolved that over time, I did my training and I qualified. And then I basically decided right this is it i'm shifting out of the day job i'm done with this corporate career um i'd you know been really really successful at it i'd then become head of brand and communications and a director of the business but i was like i'm done i want to focus on helping other people and the self-care side was always just really important to me because i realized that it was just not sustainable, the lifestyle I was living. So I'd already started to do my own self-care and really, really get into that. And then the company that I trained with for my coaching is called Mindful Talent. So it's very much about mindfulness. Mm. And I just got really interested in that sphere as well. So it's kind of all come together in a slightly strange journey. (laughs) Um, But it's practicing what I preach now, basically. Mm
0: when when um I was reading over and also, also as I was just listening to you talk, it reminds me um kind of your goal as as a coach reminds me a bit of of mentorship and we did an episode not too long ago, Christy and I, on mentorship, and um I was just kind of wondering like do you do you feel like a mentor um maybe the word coach and mentor have a lot in common, you know like the what they mean, but do you feel like the people that are coming to you for services like they're really looking for a mentor or are they really looking for like, how can they be their own mentor, you know, over time? Mm. Um,
2: it's a really quite uh, fine line because for me, the mentor is, is giving their, you know, experience and opinion and, you know, is, is sharing what they've learned over time, which I do do with some people, but as a coach, I have to very much help the client dig deep, and also almost answer their own questions in a way. So I'm all about asking really powerful questions, helping people see a shift and move forward. But I do have to uh, remind myself of my kind of position as a coach and take a step back and be like, I'm not here to give my opinion. Um, so I, I, when I work with new people, I try and work out what is their goal, what do they want to achieve, and how can I best serve them? And we kind of outline that in the kind of coaching partnership of, Is it more that you, you actually want some of my expertise in building a business and doing that mind, you know, mindfully and with balance, or is it that you want coaching and you need me to help you achieve your goals? So there is a sort of a blurring of what that is.
0: Right. There's a bit of crossover. um, But I think what you're saying is, you know, when you're, when somebody is looking for a coach um, like yourself, they're, they're really looking to hone in on a specific goal and, um, rather than having someone that's kind of guiding their career.
2: hmm yeah.
1: And well, listening also to you talk about your career trajectory, I feel like that is more and more common now, right? I, I don't know about where you are, but I think when I think about my friends and how much more like choice there is um, when it comes to career right now, or even for myself, like I was in marketing first and publishing, then I went back and decided to work in mental health. Um, the things I've chosen to focus on in mental health surprised me. I never thought I would have a podcast when I was in graduate school. Charity and I talk about that. It's like, what? What serious therapist would have a podcast? Um, so, but I think in talking with my friends as well, like career changes are becoming more and more normal, um, mm. and you really listen to yourself in those different areas and just tapped into the things that were more exciting for you, which I I love. And I think if you're doing anything on the side, like Charity and I have our Mental health and therapy jobs. We also have side projects. You're going to be passionate about it. I mean, you're usually not going to start something on the side if you're not really excited about it. Mm-hmm. So I love the way that you sort of listened and intertwined all those things. And I feel like I hear those stories more and more now. That it's not so much I went to college or university and then became a doctor or a lawyer and that sort of it. I think there's very few careers now that are so. Um, I don't want to say obvious, but the path is so clear.
2: Mm, I think over time you evolve with like what your passions are. And also, I mean, yeah, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, you kind of, you you have to start early. Like you have Mm -hmm. to decide maybe when you're about 12, that actually that's what you want to do because you've got to do all the things in the path. And it's really interesting how many kind of 40 year old, particularly guys become entrepreneurs or start their own business because they realize that they have started on a career path and done school and college and university and they've done everything they should do because of a dream they had when they were about 10. But actually that's not what they want to do in life. Or they've they've realized that as they've evolved that that isn't what they'd quite like to do. And that's when they have those brainwaves and they do different things. Because I think there's now so many different choices of what you you can do as a job, but it's not that feeling of you have to, to stick to something. I remember when I left a company, early on in my kind of fresh produce career and I went to work for a canned produce company, which I hated. Um, (laughs) But I remember my aunt at the time was like, you can't, you can't just quit this job. And I was like, why? And she said, well, it's important to have a, it was almost like this feeling of a job for life. You've got to stay in a company for Mm. a long time. And I was like, that just doesn't happen anymore like there's more fluidity people do different things and if I think about all the different roles I've done within the fresh produce industry I've done so many different things but that's because I'm just interested in all of them and so now I've managed to define what I really love doing but I'm still helping people a little bit with social media and I'm still helping people with branding and you know there's so many different things that it's unless you're very much like I want to do family law and that's it right nowadays there's so much option let's just see you know where things take us and and now we we've got a lot more you know there's so many different things you can be doing but sometimes you can't just do all of your different passions in one place and that's why people have these side hustles and they do all different things but it's also really important i think to have as i call it a side hustle know to let your creativity come out maybe there's a doctor who really likes crocheting but that's their version of self-care and their version of you know mindfulness but they also sell products on etsy because they keep making all these things you know it's really interesting how it can just help us on multiple levels to actually have all these different things going on
0: yeah I think, I think that's, um, I think there's so much available, you know, Uh, people can get online and create all kinds of things, you know, like you mentioned Etsy, there's Instagram. I think like both of you have, have gotten a large start on Instagram. Is that right? And um, so there's just like all these options for how you can either create a side hustle, Mm -hmm. switch careers, or like pursue a hobby. Um, And finding the balance Mm -hmm. in that, um, you know, can be tricky, but it's also opens doors for people.
1: Well, it's so interesting because when we were in graduate school, Jersey, which was over 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, um, there was a lot of emphasis for therapists. And there's so much crossover between therapy and coaching on keeping your private life private and not having a social media presence and or being hidden on social media so that nobody can find you. And switch to now, which is only like 10 plus years later, there are therapists on Instagram that also have a side hustle in helping other therapists market themselves on Instagram. So it's just so interesting, right? The way things sort of evolve and, um, and like you said, Rachel, you can still use all these talents that you've picked up from the different areas and jobs you had, but you have sort of a, a different like passion and focus right now. Right. Um you became a mom during the
0: pandemic how is that um how is that um when your career um you know um, your career intertwined with themselves how 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 is all that going i'm not asking that very eloquently but (laughs) there you go wow
2: Wow, so yeah so i had my son max um about a month before lockdown happened in the uk so we're fortunate that the whole hospital experience was maybe not Bad as a lot of other people have had. Um, but what was really sad was it just meant that, you know, grandparents couldn't see, particularly for my husband's side, it was their first grandchild. And so I think um, we managed to have like a week of them being able to have baby cuddles, and then that was it. Um, and unfortunately, my mum had also been in hospital at the same time having a hip operation. Mm. And so, you know, not to be able to have that support on hand. To have people, you know, just coming around and supporting you. They say, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, we we only had like the two of us, and um, it just became quite difficult. I think, but I have to say that although it was difficult and we missed out on lots of things, now you know the grandparents can come and see in different levels because there's bubbles and there's all sorts of things going on. But the best thing, and me and my husband were talking about this last night was he doesn't have to commute to London at the moment. Mm. He's working at home. And so actually, he sees his son, you know, numerous times throughout the day. He's got a job that has flexibility and and it allows him to do that. But had this not happened, he would only see him at the weekends. And he plays golf. So then, you know, if he's playing golf one day at the weekend, (laughs) he sees his son for one day. So although, you know, it's been hideous, and there's so many different things that have happened, For us, it's actually the perfect timing. Like I can't imagine having a child outside of the pandemic. So it's had its pluses and minuses. And I mean, this is just my uh, usual positive way of seeing things, but I've seen it in a really positive way. And we've had to adapt. And it's funny because I was always very adamant at the start, like, I don't want to use my mobile phone around him, Mm -hmm. um, you know, try and keep it in a different room. But now that's how he sees his grandma and his granddad. Yes time and Zoom yes. and it's just different it's not quite <laughs> how I thought it was going to be so we've just had to adjust to it and you know there's some weeks where it's been really hard and it's been really sad to you know not just have people coming and visiting all the time but it's allowed us to be our own little unit and probably helped us as a, as a small family like really bond so I'm trying to see the positive in it <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that's really lovely. I love, I love, you know, you're really highlighting the closeness that it's allowed for you to have. And I remember as being a, a new mom, like kind of wanting to kind of hunker in and like just be a family. And so the fact that, you know, that's been possible, that's what a highlight. Yeah, that's
1: mm. great. Did that's you glad. ever experience, because um, I think, you know, that's sort of the natural inclination, right? In the fourth trimester, just to to hunker down. Right. And I, I was reading everything about sleep and I would have the lights low, but then after like a couple months, I was like, let me out of here. Let me out of the cocoon. Um, did you feel a little extra trapped with all, um, with the lockdown and everything? Did you have that feeling of, I want to get out?
2: I think probably that, that timing that you're talking about it, that's when things shifted a little bit for us. So then we could do a bit more, but I think with a newborn, you're then more conscious of doing things and you know going out in the world and I think actually as a, as a new mum it made it harder for me to even like work out right how do I go to the shops with a new baby like how do we leave the house eventually with all the stuff because I had not had to go out I hadn't you know the nappy bag that I bought him I hadn't used for like six weeks because we didn't go anywhere and so um I had to kind of build my confidence up to, to leave the house yeah. <laughs> but what was nice was um we were really fortunate the weather was amazing during that first part so we'd go out on lots of walks and so we got fresh air we you know all of us had some time outside and we just really made the most of our kind of local um, village that we live in because it's quite a small place where we live but it was interesting that transition of when things could, could open up it was almost that hesitance to go We're going to, we're going to go out there. But that was also around about the time when, you know, we could go to like mum and baby classes. We could start going to do swimming. Those are things I really miss because, you know, new mum coffee dates, they just didn't happen. Right. Um, We used to do kind of play dates via Zoom. The kids obviously clearly don't get that. So (laughs) there's quite a lot that we missed, but I think it made me tap into my existing network a lot
1: more. Mm. Well, I think, um, I'm thinking of Charity, and I talked, we did a sleep training episode and she said she was a little overly confident about getting her kids to sleep because she had all this experience as being, you know, one of seven in terms of her siblings and um, nannying, I think. I was overly confident about my self-care routine coming into motherhood. I thought, I'm a therapist, I've been doing this for a long time, and then boom. I had that my first daughter and I thought, how am I supposed to do this? I want to talk to my friends and not for just two minutes. I want to go out and meet with them. And, um, so what was it like for you, like readjusting your self-care routine once you had an infant, because that was a real, a real, uh, transition for me.
2: <laughs> well, I also realized that I should really, you know, practice what I preach because quite often, I was slipping into really bad habits, you know, because, you know, you've not had the sleep and you're just exhausted. I, what I realized and I always remember one of my friends saying this that, and she was a bit like me, you know, very got stuff done. I was always busy in my corporate career and doing everything else. And, you know, I was always just ticking stuff off. And I found it really frustrating that I couldn't finish task and I couldn't have a conversation for more than two minutes. And I just had to really readjust my um, thinking about it and give myself a break and be like, right, what is the one thing that you want to achieve today? And if you've done that, that's fine. Like don't have 10 things on your to-do list. For my own kind of mental well-being, but also what I realized is um literally practicing what you preach. So I have a weekly well-being checklist that my clients have, and you can also get as a free download through my Instagram. And so I printed that off and I actually used it myself. And I had my non-negotiables, and I was mm-hmm. like, right, this is you need to try and focus on this. And I gave myself a break. You know, if I didn't do something on one day, that's fine, but have it on the list and try and achieve it because I realized. I was just getting into quite bad habits, but then I was frustrated with myself because I wasn't doing the self-care and I knew how important it was. And just, you know, saying, allowing other people to do some stuff as well. And by saying, look, can I just have 10 minutes to go and do this? Or I'm going to have a bath tonight once the baby's asleep. And it might be that that's the last thing in the world I want to do. But, you know, the washing up can wait or whatever can wait. Go and do that one thing because, you know, it's going to make you feel better in the long run so i've just really tried to bring in some stuff every week that's a bit of a non-negotiable try and make it happen because i know on the other side of it i'll feel better and um i think there's just a certain point where things become a bit clearer and you can do that yes (laughs) the fog
1: lifts a little bit
2: yes definitely you sound like you're
0: um very adaptable and flexible and just being able to adjust your mindset, um, and then realign with, you know, what are the non-negotiables? What are, what is my vision? Um, those are your guiding lights, right? It's like the North star. Exactly.
2: I mean, it doesn't happen every day. I am, you know, human and I have to give myself a talking to if it, you know, all goes a bit wrong, but again, you know, just give yourself a break and, you know, wake up the next day and be like, right, today's going to be a good day. This is what I'm going to do. So, um, yeah, I try to, to stick with it as much as possible because I know that I'll feel nourished and more energized and I can give to other people more because I've looked after myself. But sometimes that doesn't work and it's okay.
1: Yeah. Great. Being able to let go. Yeah. Yeah, that's the trick. I mean, as therapists, that's what we're hoping for ourselves and for other people, right? That you have the foundation and the structure and also the grace to know when to be kind to yourself and know that it didn't happen and you're human. Um, so I just think that's the most we can wish for ourselves.
0: Yeah. And, and on that note, it feels, feels very tidy. <laughs> just put a bow on this, right?
1: <laughs> that's how self-care is, right? <laughs> um, well, Rachel, I think we were really excited to talk to you about your cards and your, and your coaching business, but is there anything else that we missed around where people can find you, or what you're passionate about that you'd like people to check out for you?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, actually, um, the cards are now limited edition. So there's only five decks that are available to buy. So what I've done since then, so the cards actually come from my self-care survival kit newsletter that I send out once a month. And I just had all these tips that I was sharing and I realized they were just going into the ether and then nothing's happening. So I was like, right. I want to bring it into a pack where people can tap into it whenever they like. Um, so the next stage, um, which is launching November 16th, which is the start of National Self-Care Week in the UK, is my ebook, which I'm really excited about. Okay. <laughs> um, and I've split it now, so it has to launch on that date. Um <laughs> and it's called Self-Care for the Seasons, because I realised that um a lot of my clients are. In Australia and New Zealand and I have people that are on different hemispheres so when oh, I'm writing the newsletter and it's beautiful like autumnal day outside I have to be quite mindful that not everyone is in the same stage so yes right. now the clocks have changed and the days are getting shorter here um but my one of my friends in New Zealand she's like right springtime <laughs> so she's in a different zone and so um what I wanted to do with the self-care for the seasons is have tips that are very autumn winter and spring summer and just really get people to focus on how do we feel and how's our energy at that time of year and use tips that are useful for them when they're in that different season um but also people have kind of seasons of life so like we've talked about different stages of Mm -hmm. career being parents and it's um, so there's six different chapters. It's not all just about the seasons, but it's about building those positive, powerful habits, a self-care routine, focusing on mind, body and soul. And so um, I just wanted to be able to share all of my kind of tips that I have um, built up over the years in a way that people can tap into like whenever they need to. So yeah, the ebook is launching via my website in November.
1: That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. And I will say too, I subscribe to your newsletter. I feel like once a month is a good time. There's always some great nuggets in there. And if you're just um, wanting to get started and get to know your work doing that, and it sounds like downloading the wellness, well-being um, worksheet would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I like the way that you, I think it's clear. I think it's practical. Um, and then I do think for people who get in ruts, I just like having a variety of ideas. And so I feel like you've got lots of little small nuggets um, when you're needing that new inspiration or your, your season has changed. Maybe you're a mom and you have less time and you need to come up with some different ideas. Like I did.
2: Sure, we don't need something else to add to our to-do list. So self-care shouldn't yeah. be that thing at the bottom of the list. I don't want people to be overwhelmed by all the different things they can do. So I try and make it as easy as possible. Um, limited time, you know, let's just build up like we talked about with, with BJ Fog, like tiny habits to help you feel better um, and live a better life. Yes.
1: Thank you so much. We we just feel really lucky that we got to talk to you. And it's so neat to, I mean, this is so American and basic, but I'll say it. I mean, I just love listening to you talk too. <laughs> and now this weekend, when I go home, my kids are gonna be like, why are you saying rubbish all the time, mom? And like, well, you know, Rachel says rubbish and putting it into my lingo.
2: (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Christy, that was such a fun conversation with Rachel. And I thought it would be fun for us to highlight our favorite cards from her card deck, on self care. And since she has three categories, I thought maybe we could pick our favorite from each category, um, which is mind, body, and
1: soul. So um, what are your three favorite cards from Rachel's card deck? All right. So I think for body, I have take a lunchtime walk, which I usually wouldn't pick because I don't find that that exciting. But because we're in a pandemic and we are working from home, this is so nice. And sometimes I can't do this, but I at least go outside and just take a couple minutes to breathe some fresh air, which is very (laughs) useful. Um, And then something else I'm really loving right now is just watching your favorite film. So this is her... This is her heart. What category is that, Chirstie? That
0: soul, maybe? Soul.
1: Okay. And I feel like right now when there's um, just a lot of stress and chaos in the world, it's really nice to think about a movie that's comforting or you've seen before, and it can just be a nice way to end the day instead of looking at the news. Um, And then for mind, I picked when you wake up to take a moment to lie in bed with your eyes open And just really having that mindfulness practice of thinking about what does the light look like? What am I hearing? um, And just taking a couple deep breaths before you jump into the day. And that is easier said than done. And I find when I do that, I feel really good. Yeah. though I I love all three of those. The third one you just shared,
0: as a mom, if I wake up before my kids in the rare event (laughs) that I wake up before my kids, I do that partly because if I get up, they wake up. (laughs) <laughs> but also because it's kind of nice to listen to a nice quiet house and just have a moment for yourself. So it making is. that habit a routine, like it's so nourishing. I love us. Yes. All
1: right. What so you pick Jersey.
0: Yeah. For my three, um, let's see. So for my physical one, I chose eat your water, and I think that this is such a good advice because I think people really do forget to pay attention to drinking enough water. Mm-hmm. Um, And so this is all about, you know, eat um, fruits and vegetables that have a high water content, you know, things like cucumber, strawberries, broccoli, um, watermelon. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a good way to stay hydrated. um, And it's also a good way to be mindful about what you're eating. So I like that one. Um, And then take 15 minutes a day to research. Um, I like this one because I... I'm always like, I'm just always interested in learning new things. And I, I have a zillion like tabs open on my computer all the time, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm gonna come back to that. I'm gonna come back to that. And I think just the idea of setting aside 15 minutes a day to work on something um, kind of that you wanna learn about is just, it's a nice habit to have. And then you don't have to have so many tabs open on your computer all the time. <laughs> Love it. Into myself. Um, and then This last one um, is start a compliments file. And um, I thought this one was really nice, um, something that I would, I might recommend to clients because, um, you know, we we deal a lot with people that have a lot of negative Mm -hmm. self-talk. And so coming up with a compliments file feels like very therapeutic, like a unique way to um, generating positive self-talk and um, just uh, seems like a useful strategy. So I like that.
1: I love that one. And, you know, bringing it back to Dr. Shauna Shapiro, our former teacher at Santa Clara, she talks about in her new book that for all of us, our brains are wired to pay attention to the negative more just for survival. Um, And so I had read that tip for educators because I work with educators. And a lot of times the, um, the things you remember as a teacher are the parents that were mad at you or the thing that didn't go well. And you forget those really beautiful, sweet cards, because I work in elementary, that kids will write and create and draw and craft for you and hand to you. Or the email from the parent that just says, hey, you really touched my kid's life and you changed something. So I love that tip. They said, print out the email, keep those beautiful, um, messy art projects from the kids just to remember, because a lot of times we remember when people are you know, not happy with us versus when they've really appreciated what we've done.
0: Yeah, it's such a great tip. And I love that, you know, it doesn't have to be just for parents. It doesn't just have to be for individual. We can apply this to the education system. That's lovely
1: for anyone, right? For anyone. It's great. So this was so fun. I loved her deck. There's really great nuggets in there. Um, this was awesome. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to leave us a review and subscribe. That really helps us with the podcast and share it on social media with your friends. And if you want to find out more and follow us, you can go to The Mental Mile on Instagram.
0: And check our show notes if you want to um, check out our books, Self-Care 101 for Busy Parents, which is an ebook by Christy and Running for Mental Health, How to Guide by Chersty. Take care, everybody.